when did you have your first alcoholic drink? Oh, um, oh, young teenage years, very young teenage years. Um, it was just something that was that was always around at the weekend. Uh, me and the group of friends I was in, and I think right from the beginning, I loved the feeling that it that it gave. You know, just um, a total loss of worry, no anxiety, nothing to worry about. Just just a lot of fun and games at that age, maybe thirteen, fourteen. It's the same old story, isn't it? Everybody has that little sneaky taste, and then you get the giddy feeling, and all, all yeah. of a sudden that's that's kind of new. You know, it's 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 what teenagers have done, I think, since time immemorial, isn't it? So, when how did your relationship, how did your relationship with alcohol develop then? Because you 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 kind of you, you did it, your mates all drank alcohol. So, how, how did things go over the the following years? I'm. I think it just took a hold of me. I was never particularly confident as as a, a teenager or a child. And it gives you a big confidence boost. Um, there there was a time when you know you'd, you'd I would think to myself, I can't remember sleeping over at my friend's house last night, um, and everybody else would be laughing about things that happened, and I wouldn't remember because I'd have I'd have had far more to drink than anybody else. Um, but at the time, I just sort of laughed it off, and I I didn't think it was a big deal. Um, it started getting that way when I so I moved over to Manchester when I moved back from a broken relationship. That's when I hit it quite heavily at around nineteen. Um, and it was just a way of forgetting things, and before I knew it, it, it had become a daily thing. And what sort of things did you drink? Was it wine? Was it spirits? Oh, all sorts. <laughs> mainly wine, mainly wine, um, because it was it was sophisticated. It looked sophisticated, a red wine in a glass, you know? see it in films and you see girlfriends going out together and they're drinking a bottle of red wine and 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 it looks it looks inviting um but the reality for me was you know it didn't end up being sophisticated <laughs> well let's talk about when you realized that you had an issue you know you you kind of putting it down to you know just having a drink and drinking one too many and all the rest of it yeah. when did it dawn on you that you know, this were getting a bit much. Um, when I let me just think how to word it. Sorry. That you take all the time that you need. I, I think there's me and my partner. If it got to a, a Friday and we decide we were going to have a drink, I'd always be the one to say, "Okay, well, I'm going to go to the shop." Um, because I'd buy two extra little miniature bottles of wine and drink them on the way home because I knew that I wouldn't be getting as drunk as I wanted to get. Um, I think it it really hit ahead as well when I was waking up in the morning and needing to have a drink before work because I was shaking and because I had a headache because I just couldn't face it. Um, And then things, things... things got really, really bad. You know, I ended up in a car accident because I was over the limit. You know, it was completely my fault um, because I'd, I'd been to the cinema 
And it got to the point where I couldn't even sit through, you know, a two-hour movie without having a drink. Um, that was that really was the point when I sort of I, I threw my hands up and I just thought I've got to ask for help. I've got to find some help. I presume in in some of those times, you've maybe tried to limit your drinking. There must have been times when you thought perhaps I'll try and drink a bit less. What what were you, what was that yeah. like? Did you have some attempts and how did that go? Yeah, I tried. I've tried all sorts. Um, I've tried drinking. You know, a different type of alcohol than than that one, and I'd go to the shop and just buy one bottle of wine. But before that was even halfway gone, I'd be back getting another two because I just knew that when this bottle of wine was gone, um, I'd be panicking, and it wouldn't be enough. It was never enough until I was asleep. Um, it was a, it was it's a really difficult way to live. It's not enjoyable, um. And and it creeps in, it crept in really slowly and, and you can become very sneaky with it. Um yeah, you can become very sneaky with with the amounts of alcohol that you consume and hiding it from people. So you do physically hide drink from people. You mentioned buying a couple of little bottles of wine to kinda of so you're on the way back mm-hmm. and, and that kind of hidden drinking is something to love for. I guess if you're hiding it there's a reason. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd make a split in the lining of... I had a cult and I made a split in the lining of it so that if I bought a slim bottle of whiskey, I could sort of put it inside the lining of my cult. Um, and then walking back into the house, I'd sort of shimmy it round to the back so my partner wouldn't see, which isn't funny. Um, it's not funny, but I do, I do, I do have a little bit of a giggle about it sometimes just because of the pure sneakiness that comes with alcoholism well i can understand it's it's inventive and it's almost like a force isn't it it's you're thinking you're hiding this and yet your partner must have been able to smell whiskey yeah it's not a smell you can cover up is it no no of course not so Um, really you you were fooling nobody i was fooling nobody nobody no um lying to myself lying to everybody um you know, even believe in your own lies at some point. You know, I'm not the only one doing this. Um, you know, they're just people are just being boring. They just don't want me to live and one thing and another and trying to justify it to yourself. Um, but no one, you can't hide it from the people you live with, especially. Mm. And it's very worrying for them as well. Yeah. Well, let's move on. Let's walk you forward to. The car crash, you, you, you crashed the car, you said mm-hmm. it, it was your fault, and that was the point when you thought, listen, I've got to get a grip on, on this, and, and what did you do in the aftermath of that? Um, Cried, <laughs> uh, asked my family for help, came clean about, uh, slowly came clean about the amount that I'd been drinking, and and that I needed help. And up to that point as well, I'd, I'd started having alcohol-induced panic attacks. Um, right. There was obviously a court date, um, which wasn't fun. At that point, I, I was still drinking. I hadn't given up completely, which just shows the madness of, of this disease. You know, I'd, I'm in trouble with the police. I'm at court, and the first thing I wanted to do when I came out of that courtroom was was have a drink. You know, it just shows the craziness and the hold that it does have over you. Um, what was it like to kind of face your family and your loved ones and, and the people 
that you hold dear. What was it like to face them and say, listen, I've, I've got a problem? It was a massive relief, actually. Um, for me as well as them, because they all knew. Um, you know, my partner was pulling his hair out. He was uh, really worried. Um, some was worried. They, they, they all were. And, and I think it was just that breath of relief, that massive weight off everyone's shoulders when I finally held my hands up and said, you know what, you're right, there is a problem there. And I'm ready to get some help. Um, so we contacted a couple of rehabs um, and I ended up doing a four-week treatment programme in rehab. How did that go? Uh, I will always remember it as the best thing I've ever done, ever. Um, it was 12-step based, so it was an AA-based treatment programme. Um, I just, I do remember <laughs> having my initial consultation with the doctor um, and him saying, yeah, you fit the criteria, you can have a residential stay, one thing and another. He said, but you, you can't come for another two days. He said, whatever you do, in that two days, don't stop drinking completely because obviously your withdrawal affects, you know, you don't know how it's going to re- um, affect one person to the other. They can be quite severe. So the first thing I said to my mum when we left there was like, well, you heard him. I'm going to have to have a drink tonight. So still with that alcoholic mind, you know, well, that's what the doctor said. I've got to have a drink. You almost had a free pass. Exactly, yeah. Uh and then, then the day came that I was admitted, and the first week was a little bit of a blur um, because you're on detox medicine. Um, and then after that, it was AA meetings and group therapy and letters from home, and yeah, it was an amazing experience, and and it is. I think it saved my life. To be honest, I don't know where I'd be if I hadn't have done that. Okay, four weeks passes, yeah. and you—it's the end of rehab. You've had a—you've had a good time, a positive experience. Yeah. What What happens next? Home time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I'd been given a lot of information on AA um, and the twelve-step program, and I was absolutely determined to join some local meetings in my area because where I went to rehab was um, in a different town, you see. Um, So I just, I mean, coming home was a big, um, what's the word, let me think, was a big, well, yeah, coming home was, was a big shock because I was back into life. You know, I was out of this cocoon where there was no alcohol, you know, there wasn't TV. If you didn't want to watch TV, you didn't have to watch TV. And you didn't see it on TV. There were no pubs. You know, it was safe. It was a really safe environment. And then all of a sudden, I'm back home. Well, presumably, you shop. could have popped round to the local shop and bought a bottle of wine if you wanted. Literally five-minute walk away, yeah. Um, you know, I had to go and do the food shop um, down the alcohol aisle and and things like that. Um, what I was that like? At first, really, really difficult um, because I think because I'd hyped it up to be difficult. Um, I think if I'd have just 
gone in and, and faced it and then I, th- I think I made it a little bit more difficult for myself than it should have been. Um, it's never affected me since I've given up drinking, seeing it in shops. It's been seeing it on TV programmes and mm. stuff like that, you know, where it looks fun. Mm. Um, but for me, it it wasn't fun. It, it wasn't fun for a very, very long time. But I got stuck into AA. I got stuck into my meetings. Um, as sometimes, you know, as many as five a week, because yeah. at the beginning that's what I needed. Um, well, let, yeah. let's talk about let's talk about where you are now. Let's reflect this yeah. amazing journey that you've come on. I hate the journey word, but when did you take your last drink? It was two years and a month ago tomorrow. Well, I know that in AA, people say one day at a time. So presumably, you set off on day one with no yeah. targets in mind. What does it feel like to have two years or more under your belt? It feels brilliant. Yeah, it feels amazing. Um, I don't like to use the word pr- uh, proud. Um, but yeah, of course, I'm proud of myself. I'm, I'm extremely proud of myself. Um, but I, cu- I couldn't have done it without the help of the other AA members that I've met um, or or I would have found it extremely difficult. Um, it is a bit daunting sometimes, which is why we do have the saying one day at a time. Sometimes you do catch yourself thinking about a year in the future or five years in the future and it is a bit, oh God, the rest of my life, no alcohol. But that's why we have the saying one day at a time. And if you live it one day at a time, it's manageable. It's doable. It's absolutely doable. What would you say to somebody listening to this now who's maybe just poured themselves a glass of wine because it's a habit and, mm. you know, the, they've been doing a little more lately, but that's all right because it's locked down or because I'm on furlough or whatever it might be. And and they're actually inside. They're thinking, they're, they're maybe twiddling the stem of that glass and thinking, do I really need this? Why, why have I poured myself this? What, what would you say to people in that situation? Uh, it's a bit of a difficult one because I think there's a big difference between people who do enjoy a drink and people who are developing a reliance on it. And I think it's a case of being deadly honest with yourself. Um, You know, in your own head, you don't have to talk to anyone about it just yet. Just in your own head, just be completely honest with yourself about, about your drinking habits and, and if there's something there that you wouldn't feel comfortable sharing with someone else, then perhaps there's a problem that needs to be addressed. Brilliant. I'm going to ask you two final, one final question, and then I'm going to ask you to uh, introduce your song. So I'm going to say, today with uh, two years and more on the belt, Rachel, are you happy? I'm very happy. I'm engaged and I'm pregnant. I'm very happy. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. That's brilliant news. Thank you. Now, I know you've chosen a song for us yeah. uh, that means something to you. Would you like to tell us about the song and, and just, you know, why it means something to you? Yeah, it's called Rise Up by Andrew Day. Um, it's just about rising up against adversity and all the challenges that you have in your life. And um, if you can stand up, you can take a step. If you can take a step, you can take the next. And, yeah, it's just about perseverance, I guess. You're broken down and tired 
And we'll 